Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Alright, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I am Dr. Fuck, and with me this week is... Yeah! Ian Wadley with his lovely old lady who is drinking out of a glass. So she can't crack anything. What are you drinking? Sorry, I just have to unscrew the top. You can't hear that. But what are you drinking? What is she drinking? Espresso vodka. Espresso vodka, yes. It's a lovely, lovely time over there at Ian Wadley's house. (laughs) Anyway, look. This song we just recorded minutes ago. It's over two hours long. I gotta edit the hell out of this. There ain't gonna be no news this week. So I figured, let me call Ian back and do this quick review. So we let's get into the review. It's over two hours long. I am gonna edit it down to two hours. So, uh, all right, let's get into the review. Right, Ian? Let's do it. All right, now we're gonna do the Judas Priest review of British Steel. And, uh... We got a special guest. Uh, Ian, can you do the honors? Oh, yeah. This is none other than Mr. O. Mingram, and he was the winner of our iTunes contest that happened, shit, damn near a year ago. We ran one for about three months. We were trying to promote iTunes reviews. Who could come up with, you know, the best, most creative review? And, you know, we had some good response. A lot of people, they said their shit didn't show up, but Ohms did. And even though Ohm is a personal friend of mine in real life, he had a stellar review that involved both of us banging his mom, and he came, you know, downstairs to find it out. Was a classic review, and I'm like, you know what, buddy? You win. And then something even more interesting about this is Ohm is not particularly a hard rock or heavy metal fan. Say what? Uh, Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not like what he normally listens to. He's not opposed to it. But, uh, then we came up with an idea of, okay, if somebody, like, loves the show but isn't particularly a metal fan, what album would we turn them on to to try to say, here's a little taste of our music, of, of what we're into? And, Ralph, you came up with a brilliant idea of having it be Judas Priest 1980, uh, classic album. British Steel. Yeah, I, I can't help it, Ian. Every time I have an idea, it's brilliant. I don't know. It's just... I am just so fucking awesome. Right, Om? Uh I enjoy how humble you are. <laughs> um, you get, uh, the, you get to stay on the show. <laughs> Let me just say, first off, it's uh, uh, really a pleasure and an honor to be on your guys' podcast. I've listened to uh, every single episode except for the last one. I'm usually a week or so behind. Um, not a heavy metal guy. Never really have been. Um, but I really appreciate what you guys do. You know, you have a passion. You've got a knowledge. And I find it really, really interesting. And um, as you might find out later on, maybe even some stuff gets into my playlist now. Awesome. Uh, but, you know, i got a working knowledge of, of metal. Anybody raised on MTV is going to have some kind of... Uh, you know, you're going to have a knowledge of, of the metal that was popular and, and how it influenced everything. So I certainly knew who Judas Priest was, but I never owned an album. I'd never bought a song, never seen him live, maybe seen a couple of videos. 
you know, heard him on the radio and stuff. So uh, it's kind of exciting for me to, to dig into this and That's listen awesome. to it from virgin ears as well. Very cool, Almond. Um, and by the way, deepest consul- uh, condolences for never owning a Judas Priest album. <laughs> well, I have one now. <laughs> nice. Nice. There you go. Oh, and in honor of Ian. Oh, yes! yes! <laughs> nice. Oh, tugging on my heartstrings there, brother. <laughs> I try. Uh, how is it that you discovered um, Judas Priest? We already know you discovered them through MTV, but the album, British Steel, how... How was it the first time uh, listening to it, and when was it? Uh, Ian gave it to me several months ago um, when we were originally going to try to plan to do this thing. Um, so I listened to it quite a bit then. Uh, I think my biggest um, surprise really was sort of how accessible it was, uh, how kind of easy it was to get into. I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting, I guess, a Megadeth album cover come to life that was going to jump out of my headphones and try to, you know, rip me apart and turn my daughter into a Satanist or something. But, <laughs> yeah. but what well, I got was a really sort of accessible, easy to get into uh, a bunch of music. Yeah, like surprisingly um, so. Yeah. No, the, the reason that is, Ohm, is because it was me that thought it. I said, Ian goes, well, what album should we give this guy that doesn't know about metal? And I'm like, step aside, Ian. Give them British Steel. It's very easily accessible. If everybody would listen to British Steel, they would all be like Ohm here. So Ohm, I have two words for you. You're welcome. Thank you, Ralph. All right. You're you're very welcome. Um, Ian, tell us uh, how you discovered uh, uh, not only British Steel, but uh, when, when was the first time you found out uh, what disease I gave your mom and when you found that out? Oh, uh, well, I mean, it, she told me about it shortly before she tried to smother me with a pillow and blame it on cribs. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I love Judas Priest. I, I came into Judas Priest in the mid-'80s. Uh, my first album was uh, Turbo. Because I saw the video on MTV for Parental Guidance. Oh God, I hate that song. Jesus. And I and I and I loved it. But as a twelve-year-old, I loved that song. Went out and bought Turbo. I believe my next one was uh, the following album, Priest Live. Uh, then I got. Then I think before Ram It Down through Columbia House, I got Defenders of the Faith. Then I got Ram It Down, uh, and then I got. Uh, Unleashed in the East, and then after that, I got British Steel. Uh, It's an amazing album. It doesn't have the same impact on me as other Priest albums, but I think that's because of when I was introduced to it. I think if I would have got it when it came out, it would have had a little bit more impact, but I still love the album. But coming into the band later, it it wasn't the same for me. But I'm a huge Judas Priest fan. I own every album. I've seen them three times, unfortunately. Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but twice with Ripper Owens, once with Rob Halford. Uh, I would love to see him again. Hopefully I get a chance to. Um, but they they are the metal band. What I love about them, and we've brought this up in past episodes, they've never denied that they were metal. Even when a lot of other bands, even our beloved Black Sabbath, said, oh, we're not metal. No, Judas Priest always said, no, fuck you. We are a metal band. 
And, you know, they've done all different types of albums. I mean, they've done from, from you know, Notre, Nostradamus concept albums to, you know, Cock Rock Turbo to experimental, like, uh, point of entry to just full-blown metal albums. And thrash metal, I mean, with Painkiller. They, they've always stayed metal, but ventured uh, throughout the genre. They are a quintessential metal band. They are legends. Rob Halford is the metal god. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I mean, they're just... What, what more can you say about Judas Priest, but they are the epitome of heavy metal. Ralph, when did you first hear Judas Priest? I fir first heard Judas Priest in 1979 when I... My brother had Unleashed in the East, um, hooked right away, um, first visually, then musically. Uh, to this day, I still think it's the greatest metal album ever done. Oh, uh, look at that one next. Now that, now that, now that Bruce Steel sunk in, because I, I think Bruce Steel you had to go to first before you can appreciate the greatness of uh, Unleashed in the East, if you're not a metal guy. Um, but that album just floored me. Now, British Steel, uh, I saw at a, it, it was a store down here called Zayers. And, or maybe it was Treasures, one of the two. And I saw it, I didn't have money. I went and cut lawns, saved up enough money, <laughs> rode my bike all the way to Zayers, which was a good four miles from my house. I was a little kid, I was 13 at the time, or 14. No, I was 15. It was 1980. So I drive my bike all the way over there. I grab the, the album. And while I'm riding back, I said, man, I couldn't take it. I, I had to sit down and look at the album. You know, this is pre-MTV. This is pre-videos. Our videos back then was looking at records. So I sat next to the little lake, little canal, and just looked at the album. And then I'm looking at these song titles like Metal Gods, Breaking the Law. Grinder, the rage, you know, and I'm like, ah, ah, I threw it back in the bag and I hauled ass home, man. I, I have to hear this, you know. And uh, yeah, putting it on, it just was such a mind blowing event. Now, keep in mind, this is my second Judas Priest album. I was not aware of any of the albums, and this was brand new at the time. So, they had several albums in the 70s I never heard, but I've heard. The essential versions of the of many of the songs on those albums that was on Unleashed in the East minus Rockerola. So then you know I went backwards and I think I got uh, Hell Bent and Stained Class and I got, I got everything from Judas Priest before Point of Entry. Between 1980 and 1981, I went out and I bought all Judas Priest because British Steel was the ultimate gateway for not. I mean I was ready into metal, but man. British Steel was just so perfect to me. And I, to this day, I don't feel Judas Priest has ever made an album as good as British Steel after British Steel. I think that was their pinnacle, though I worship Point of Entry. I know a lot of people don't like that one. I love it. It's commercial, but I love it. Um, uh, Defender, uh, Defenders I love and Screaming. And, you know, and, you know, I love Angel Retribution. But to me, my favorite is the 70s, even more than British Steel. I love the 70s Judas Priest. Now, before we get into the album, uh, track by track, they um, uh, let me ask you a question, Om. Uh, the, the copy that Ian gave you, did it start with Breaking the Law or did it start with Rapid Fire? Rapid Fire. Okay, so 
What you it's got? It's the reissue, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually it was released like that in England, not here. And I, <clears throat> I cannot handle listening to Metal Gods without Grinder following it. And and I think the that version has Breaking the Law after Metal God. I think. Yeah, it, it is the, right. Well, no, what well, the yeah, U- yes, it is. The U.S. version started with with Breaking the yes, Law. Yes, I'm I'm aware of that, yeah. dude. Remember, I, I, I bought this album when you were minus three. All right, so um, <laughs> what do you call... Uh, but I will say this. Breaking the Law is what started my album, and it's great, but I really do feel like Rapid Fire is a better opening track. Even in, after all the years, I've lived with the, the American version at least 20 years before that remaster came out. And I was like, oh, this is interesting, but then like... When Metal God ends and it goes into Breaking the Law, it's like I just I'm just so used to that opening riffage of Grinder. It just totally well, that's, fucks it all up for me. We've uh, we've all got that because we were all raised on albums and cassettes. Yeah. And the order that you listen to a record was hard coded into your DNA. Exactly. I, I mean that that was just. Uh, and now we've gotten away from it. We've got playlists and you got shuffle and you can do any kind of listing and track you want. Right. Uh, but back then, and sometimes you would even punish yourself a little bit. It's like, I don't like this next song, but man, the one after it. So let me just suffer through this one a little bit because the anticipation will build for that one killer track that's, for me, was always like number seven or eight. Yeah, that's where uh, I found all my favorite songs tend to be on records uh, and, in the old days. And you think about it, we had no choice back in the vinyl days. You'd have to pick up the needle. And you know, it was almost impossible to get it right on the next song. Yep. Before. So, you know, on cassette, you fast forward. On CD, made it much more simpler. But yeah, and, and back in the day, vinyls, man, you just had to sit through the whole thing. And yeah, there were songs I didn't like. But my point is, is that this, this album, though, this is like the quintessential I, like I said to Ian if, if there's any heavy metal album to turn a guy on to that doesn't know or not into metal British Steel is the ultimate it's the ultimate because it is it's not Kiss it's not you know all this other stuff that's really good gateway music but British Steel is heavy metal it, you cannot get more traditional heavy metal than British Steel and I know a lot of people don't like it too, which baffles me, but whatever, to each its own. But this album has everything. Has the the fast the fast uh, guitar uh, stuff, the fucking anthems and the uh, you know, and then the grinding heavy metal riffage and, and then the way it ends. I mean, I'll, we will go through the whole album. But since Ohm, you were turned on to the British version, and you are the guest. We are gonna re- we are, are gonna review it in that track list, and oh, I am right. gonna have you, Ohm, tell us what you think of track one, Rapid Fire. Uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I, I think it's a, a really good uh, a good opening track, and the first couple of times I listened to it. I thought, yeah, that's a pretty good, decent opening song. Um, but in preparing for actually coming on this Saturday and re-listening to it some more in the past, like, 10 days, two weeks, uh, it really grew on me, like, a lot. It's 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 very propulsive. It's got a hard drive to it. Um, and what immediately clued me in 
that this album was going to be something I was going to enjoy listening to, even if I didn't get into the song so much, just how good it sounds. It sounds, it's so, I don't mean overproduced or clean. It's just very, very well done. Uh, everything about it, every, I can hear everything. Uh, I really enjoyed it, uh, but it doesn't even make my top three, no, which kind of surprised me this week re-listening to it because every time it would come on, because I listened to it in order, I didn't shuffle anything. I really, I wanted to listen to it in the order it was, uh, this album was played. Really enjoyed it and surprised when I kept going back over it, trying to like maybe see if it would bump up a little bit. And no, I couldn't crack my top three and I, I was, and I, I really, really enjoy it. Well, I can tell you this, um, I, I can understand where you're coming from because Rapid Fire seems to be more of a, you know, you're a heavy metal fan, you, you can get it. But, and I can understand that's that's the reason it didn't make your top three. But it is surprising that you do like it. Because if I was to pick, okay, um, Mom, Mom probably won't like Rapid Fire because it's a little too chaotic, you know, It's because there's more accessible. That one, I'll tell you this right now, um, that song, Rapid Fire, is more akin to the 70s Jesus Priest, where there is a lot of stuff on here that's pretty much uh, Jesus Priest going into different territories but very interesting uh the how how um you, you love the song but it doesn't surprise me it didn't make the top three ian uh what do you think of the song uh well i love it i mean it's a slamming opener and what a great way and it just shows you how fucking 10 times out of 10 uh british track listing is better than an american one i don't know why they always try it seems with american track listings it's always to capitalize on the more commercial song and not just let the art flow like it should and this to me is the true opener for this should be and you know they had the right vision uh it just pummels right out the fucking gate and it shows why at that time judas priest were the leaders in heavy metal while you know black sabbath kind of i shouldn't say lost its way with the last two albums but experimented a lot this is just tried and true heavy metal. And then also around this time, we do have the, the new wave of British heavy metal with bands like Iron Maiden, you know, and Saxon. Uh, you know, you got Motorhead, and Tiger's Painting, all that shit. Uh, but this shows why they all looked up to Judas Priest because they were pioneers. And this is just a pummeling song right out the bat. No apologies. Hey, we are a metal fucking band. And I love the drumming uh, by Subway's own Jared. I, I mean, Dave Holland on this song. This is really, some. I think, some of the best drumming by Dave Holland. Most metal drum. Because on a lot of songs, I mean, while I do enjoy Dave Holland, he is uh, very like a Charlie Watts-esque pedestrian drummer. And I don't mean that as a slam. Because sometimes it's a lot harder to play simpler and to serve the song than it is to showboat. But his drumming is amazing on this, and it just, it's a classic fucking track. It's an underrated track, because it, you know, it wasn't a single, uh, it doesn't get all the attention the others do, but um, the metalheads, you know, really appreciate Rapid Fire and no Rapid Fire. No other way to start this album. Love this track. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, we played a Judas Priest tribute show once, and... In order, you know, every band, there's a band that headlines that it's called Made of Metal that all they do is play Judas Priest. For that show, a theme show, we, 
We did a Dio tribute. We did a Slayer tribute. Well, the first one was a Judas Priest tribute. And Thrasher Die Open. And the way it works, we have to play a song that's not on their set list. I personally wanted to do Tyrant, but that, believe it or not, was on their set list. So I said, you know what? Let's do, I don't see Rapid Fire. So I thought Rapid Fire was great. And another reason, and this whole album, which makes it kind of different than all of the Judas Priest albums, is that Hoffert's not really hitting that many high notes on this album. He does a little at the end of Rapid Fire. Anyway, I covered this song. It is on YouTube. Uh, we only played it once live. And uh, I think I think the band nailed it. I think I did a good job. I don't sound like Bob Hoffer. I sound like me, but it worked. So check it out. And uh, oh, check it out. You, you'll see a better version than, than Judas Priest. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, I will but, check it out. But I, yeah, obviously I love the song. Uh, and it was also very interesting reading the, like, because, you know, Judas Priest, I mean, that song, this album is like pretty much in my DNA, but I still had to look up the lyrics. And there, man, I should have done my homework and done notes like both of you. I didn't. But there are words that Rob Halford made up and is in this song and in other songs, too. And they're really cool-sounding words. And this song has it, and it's like... And, and then you hear, like, these lyrics, like, pounding the world like a battering ram. I mean, just the opening line alone is, like, so metal, it hurts. I... And the, the changes it goes through, the, you know, uh, the little fast section in the middle. And yeah, Dave Holland sounds great on it. It is just such a pummeling song. And probably my favorite, I would have to say. Actually, Ty, nah, man. You know what? Like Ohm said, he has the top three. I have uh, I have three that are just tied. And this is the first one that, that's tied with two other songs, my favorite. Because I cannot put Rapid Fire over the other two and vice versa. So there's a three-way tie on this album. And Rapid Fire is the first of my favorite song on this album. Uh, Ian, take the next one as I go fresh in my drink. All right, the next song. Totally an iconic Judas Priest song. Metal Gods. Oh, my God. Uh, just the riff. The, you know, the, the chugging riff of this song. Uh, and, it, and it's one of Judas Priest's character songs. They have so many character songs like The Sentinel and, you know, The Painkiller and, you know, shit like that where it's just, you know, they're talking about this metal beast, you know. It's like something out of a comic book movie. And it, it just, it works incredible. And when they record this album in, in 1980, you know, there was no like, okay, we're going to sample this sound or we're going to do shit like that. They did what, whatever they could to, like, add atmosphere to the song, so they are banging trays of, like, utensils and shit, you know, for, you know, when the metal gods walk in that, chung, chung, you know, they're, it's like they're banging fucking things of silver and hitting pool balls and all kinds of shit, and just anything to get the spirit of the song, and, you know, I mean, I mean alone, I mean, Rob Halford is known as the metal god, and that's, you know, you know, directly from this song. And you're never, ever going to see a Judas Priest song since this that doesn't have this song included. Because it's that fucking amazing. I absolutely love it. Oh, what do you think of Metal Gods? Um, <clears throat> well, this was the, the, the first song uh, that I sort of realized 
especially after I'm listening to stuff, I didn't always maybe necessarily dig the way the songs began or felt like I wasn't getting into them. But then as they go on, and it's not just sort of a simple two and a half, three minute, you know, repetitive song, I'm hearing more and more stuff. I end up liking the song more as it goes on, if, if that makes any sense. In other words, I like parts of it better. And this one, as it started off, I was kind of like, well, this is, feels kind of, I don't know, it's kind of draggy. I'm not really getting into it. Uh, but then the chorus kicks in, and I really enjoyed the guitars um, and the guitar part that led into the solo, especially. And uh, it, it's just one of the ones that, as it as it progresses, I find myself enjoying it more. Every time it starts, I'm like, Ugh. I, I'm not like almost fast forward into the next song, but I stick with it and end up enjoying most of it. So no, it wasn't one of my favorites. All right, cool. Uh, me, uh, Metal Gods, God, what a song. Um, <laughs> but like like I have to say, uh, what I was saying earlier, the track listing on the European version really bothers me, but you know, they, they there I felt like it's okay because Rapid Fire, the way it ends and goes into Metal God is just so, Perfect. Let me put it this way. Back in the 80s, we all made mixtapes. And I made, like, my Judas Priest mixtape. And when I would put, when, every time I would put, like, the best, in my opinion, the best of Judas Priest on a cassette, it would consist of Rapid Fire, Metal Gods, and Grinder, all in one row. It's like a triple shot of Bridge of Steel. And the rest of the albums, I could put, like, Jawbreaker followed by The Ripper and you know, Saints in Hell and, you know, Exciter and stuff like that. But, I mean, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Ohm. They recorded this album in John Lennon's house. I don't know if you ever seen the video for Imagine, where John Man. Lennon, yeah, John Lennon's sitting at the piano. That's where they recorded this album. Yes. At, at that time, Ringo bought the house. So they were actually <laughs> technically recording in Ringo's house, but that was John Lennon's house where, you know, he recorded Imagine and stuff like that. And at the end of metal gods they got like a cut uh, a bunch of knives and forks and they yep. were just pounding it that, that's how they got that sound where it sounds like a metal beast walking but they're just doing that and it just adds so much and that's i love that kind of well, imagination well actually and knowing knowing that uh, you guys mentioning this and showing so much love for the song i'm, I'm actually now anxious to go back and revisit it Knowing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, part of part of doing this album review, I, I didn't go out and read anything about it. I, I didn't read any reviews. I didn't read about where it sat in pop culture at the time. Um, but almost wish I had so I could bring more to the conversation because that's a really cool thing to know about that song and I'm really sort of looking forward to going back and checking it out. I'll do you one better. Um, it might be on YouTube. Do, do you have Netflix in case? I, don't know. I do. Okay, well, you can rent on Netflix if it's not on YouTube, but I'm sure you could probably find it on YouTube. There's a documentary on the making of this album, and it's very, very entertaining. It's extremely oh, entertaining. Because movies there, are my thing. I'm... Yeah, this documentary is great. On the making of British Steel, yeah. they talk the class, about... Cl classic albums, yeah. Yeah, classic albums. They always do a great job. I love Rob Halford so much. His lyrics are kind of like Dio in a way. It, it, Everybody can interpret it differently like you know the first line and that song it seems like every first line in priest songs are so cool like you know we've taken too much for granted 
It's like, well, what did you take for granted? Who cares? It just sounds cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? The fucking, just the, 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 the structure, the words, it's just, oh, it's right there. And I'm listening to this shit, and it, it is very much, you can just, in my mind, I can picture this fucking monster made out of metal just fucking pounding through fucking a, uh, a town and just fucking ha causing havoc. This song fucking rules. Now, here is where I have a problem. Because, and I already discussed this, you cannot have this song without Grinder following it. Oh, Ralph, let me ask you something real quick. Not, not to cut you off, but I was looking at, because I can't remember, because it's been so long since I owned the American copy. Uh, it showed to me on the American copy, it started with breaking the law, but then it still went from uh, Metal Gods to Grinder. Is that no. not true? No, uh, no, Rapid Fire was track two. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was breaking okay. the okay. law. Well, that, that that's a misprint then. Okay. And okay. I mean, listen to listen to Rapid Fire. The way it ends, Metal Gods is is starting before it ends. You know what I mean? You already hear right. that. Which, by the okay. way, that was a metal door. Uh, they made an effect with this metal door, making the intro sound to that that uh, you know, adding echoes and shit. Okay. Well, that 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 is a misprint. We. We did get corrected on our Pantera episode about getting wrong facts from Wikipedia. And uh, when I looked it up today, it said that uh, that the American pressing went from breaking the law to metal, metal gods, gods to, no. to, to grinder. That's not true. Huh? No, no. Okay. It went right into rapid fire and then uh, metal gods and then grinder. But oh, okay. I'll take the next song, uh, the British version. I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it. For the sake of Ohm here, our guest, uh, is Breaking the Law. The, probably the most popular song on the album. Uh, you know what, man? It's a song that I should be tired of, but I'm not. It's a song that I, I still love to listen to. It is very commercial. It's Like I said, this is a great song to get Ohm, like to, for Ohm to get into a metal album. This is a song that has all the commercial elements. It doesn't have a guitar solo. And the guitar solo they did add on Priest Live, I fucking hate it. You know, I guess I'm just so used to the studio version. But it doesn't have a guitar solo. It has one of the greatest horrible videos ever made. I don't know if you've seen that, um, where they actually rob a bank uh, with, with cardboard guitars. Oh, no, no, there's other people playing cardboard guitars. Either way, and Rob Hoffer bends... Uh, Bend some bars and shit, and they actually rob a they they rob a yeah, bank, they rob a bank, but they don't really rob for money. They rob to get their gold album of British Steel. <laughs> it's like what Columbia couldn't give them a copy, you know? Uh, they were keeping it in the closet. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> good one, man. Yeah, I see. I see what you did. There. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into big veiny cocks later. Okay, so uh, my my point well, is. Get you. <laughs> uh, so my point the is. Royal. My my point is, um, this is a great. It's it's a total commercial uh, song. You know, believe it or not, British Steel was not that huge uh, in America. It was a gold album. You know, it was it it did put them on the map, but it wasn't until Screamer for Vengeance where they became huge, you know, because I'll, I'll give you another example. Judas Priest 
I mean, I don't know about the 70s. I'm a little too young to keep up with uh, the acts that came down here. But I got into Judas Priest in 1979. They didn't come to South Florida until 1982. So it shows you they weren't that huge. But after 82, they've been here every year. And they also recorded down here. But I'm just getting back to Breaking the Law. Breaking the Law is just... Um, I think it's just a perfect song. And it's really catchy. And it doesn't suffer burnout to me. Unlike the other popular song in this album, which I don't hate. I still love it, but it does have the burnout factor that Breaking the Law, I don't think, uh, carries. Uh, okay, let's throw this one to Ian. What do you think of Breaking the Law? Um, I love it, but I never need to hear it again. Uh, it, it was a single off the album. It was the first track on the U.S. release. It's great. I mean, it's a good song. It's definitely uh, Priest changing up, you know, going going more commercial, trying to break into an American audience, and 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 they did it great. I mean, when Priest goes commercial, they still they can do it and still sound like Priest. The same with Turbo Lover, very much aimed at American audiences, but still a great song to me that sounds like Judas Priest. But this song, it just suffers from overkill. This is one, to me, I'm sorry, suffers from overkill. And, you know, it, I mean, it has the classic Beavis and Butthead, you know, break the law, break the law, you know, kind of thing. A decade later. Right. But uh, it, it's just one of those things, like, I really, it, you know it's going to be in the set list, but you're like, oh, shit, here's breaking the law. Oh, and I love gonna, it. I love and it. You're, you're going to bang your head and you're going to shake your ass to it, but... I can think of a million other free songs that I would rather hear than Breaking the Law. But it's a classic for a reason, because it is a good song. It's just uh, suffers from the overkill factor for me, I, even though I, I even would, though I still love it. I would hate to go to a Judas Priest show without them playing Breaking the Law. That's just me. I have to hear that in my Well, well I, 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 if it was like a, a three-hour show, I would still want to hear it. But, uh, you know, like... Like when I, I saw when I saw him with Halford, it was at Ozfest, so it was still an abbreviated set. It's like, oh fuck, I'd rather hear you know uh, when the night comes down or something like you know. But that's because I'm such a huge Priest fan, you know. But but for your average Priest fan, yeah, they have to hear this song, and it is a classic. And it's short, and it's like I don't mind a real short, punchy it tune. Is. It uh, is. I believe. I believe it's like two minutes and thirty-six seconds on the album. See, I'm not. I'm not a fan of you got another thing coming. And there was a while they weren't playing that. I, I couldn't have been happier. But uh, yeah. See, I, I I take that any day of the week. I know. Over this. I know. That's because you're you. Yeah, um, I'm me. Oh, what do you think of uh, breaking the law? It's funny because what I've got written down is Beavis and Butthead, <clears throat> because. <laughs> It's one of those songs where you, how do you separate it from its pop cultural importance, right? I know it because of a popular TV show and, and because of all the places, different places I've heard it before. So when I first started listening to it, to me, it's a cliche, almost. It, it, it represents all these different things other than the song itself. But then I did something on this song, which I tried to do on, on future re-listens, I tried to sort of put myself in a mindset of at the time. What if I was, instead of being 15 and seeing the R.E.M. song on 120 Minutes on MTV that got me hooked on alternative music, <clears throat> what if I had been 15 and I had seen Breaking the Law? Or heard Breaking the Law? 
and I started listening to it. And when they when breaking the law, breaking when he's doing that, and you really listen to it, that is sinister. I mean, it, it's it's dark, and I sort of remember the uproar of heavy metal originally, which later became rap's uproar, and, and I remember the trials and, and Tipper Gore and all that stuff. Imagine these people in their 40s and 50s back in 1980, and they hear this song. And all they can imagine is a room full of Ralphs and Ians <laughs> with long hair thrashing and headbanging and chanting, breaking the law like a bunch of crazy eyed, you know, <laughs> drug addled hippie freaks. That's yeah! Me. And I was that. So, I was. Me too. <laughs> so when I put myself in that place and listen to those lyrics, especially the chorus, the way it just, it's just kind of dirty and mean. And you can sense the menace in it. I, I, it moved beyond sort of the cliche of, of Beavis and Butthead for me, and became like a, a, a fun. I'm a Ralph. I like a fun, fast song. You know, um, I, I call those songs Ian's mom, fun and fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I ended up uh, probably the song that transformed the most for me over the entire listening of this album. One that I was just like dismissive of at the beginning because I thought. I've heard it. It's like, a, at this point, it's it's almost like an Elvis song, if you will. You can appreciate him, but it's like, man, I really don't want to hear that again. I've heard that so many times throughout my life. Really, really ended up appreciating it. Still not my top three, but uh, I really enjoyed it, especially when I thought about it. As 1980s me, what if I had heard that as an 11 or 12-year-old uh, in 1980? It would have freaked me out and uh, could have made me, uh, you know, could have turned me into a, a metalhead. That's how you get got. Whatever you're listening to when you're in puberty, whatever hooks you in puberty, it just it, it drills into your head and becomes part of who you are. Exactly. Uh, you're you're 100% correct. That that I couldn't have said it better. Um, I didn't get like uh, the menacing thing, but yeah, in retrospect, that's why I like to hear people's different opinions, even if they don't like a song that I like, and they give me the example why they don't like it or why they like it that's different than mine. I love hearing this song and. And Ohm, your perspective is very welcome on the show because every time, all we have on here are bonehead metal fans that, that, that do shows with us. Well, that, that's not true. I'm sorry, Ken Mills. Let me uh, let me let me nut swing just a little more. Uh, what I like about you guys as critics, and this is what I think is important for critics, if you're going to criticize something, one you got to have a, a, a knowledge and a, and a love. Love first, knowledge second. Don't tell me something sucks. Don't do it. Tell me you don't like it. If you tell me you don't like it, I'll never argue with you. If you tell me it sucks, and that's something we I think we have to learn with age a little bit. You know, I'm not gonna tr I'm not gonna trash on my kid for some of the music she likes and tell her it sucks because she likes it, and a lot of it's really well produced and well done. Not my cup of tea. Um, so I really appreciate that, uh, the perspective you guys. Now, don't get me wrong. I like when you just flat out balls out. Sometimes a song is bad and everybody can agree on it or a movie is terrible, but you can still like it. There's nothing wrong with liking crap because I like a lot of crappy movies. I, I love and the elder. than a fair amount of crappy songs. Yeah, you <laughs> you suck. <laughs> yeah, and, and you see, I, I love the elder and Ian tells me, no, no, it sucks, please. Stop liking the elder. It's hurting my little fucking schoolgirl feelings because I'm a little sissy. He actually said that once. 
He was real. He I, was really drunk. But you know, when you're drunk, I, you dug. You dug. I did it. It was in a private conversation. It was, and, and we were on webcam. And then, like, all of a sudden, I saw him fumble the uh, the webcam, trying to try not <laughs> let me see the naked dude in his room. But I, but but let me tell you something. I mean, the the funny the funny thing about the whole thing is, is that you said it perfectly. Hey, look, there are times I say, God, that song, I don't like it because it sucks. It doesn't mean I'm saying, no, it sucks for everybody. You know what I mean? It just sucks for me. If we can all just accept everybody for what they are, this place would be, there wouldn't be no beheadings because I don't like Allah. There wouldn't be, um, you know, uh, uh, people burning down churches because I don't like Christians. There, sh- there wouldn't be uh, uh, preachers on uh, telling people you're going to burn in hell for listening to heavy metal. If everybody would just accept everybody and I know it's a very hippie thing to say and I'm like I just I, call you a hippie and I don't like hippies I really don't because <laughs> I feel like hippies are too like uh, I think they're Tiny. hypocritical in a lot of their ways you know and you know, let me put it this way people that say oh you know you gotta legalize marijuana because hemp is like you can make rope cheaper with hemp dude just be honest legalize marijuana because you want to get high don't say it because rope is cheaper to make. You know what I mean? Just be honest. And that's why I don't like hippies. For one little... And, and if a hippie is tuning in, hey, look, it's not that I don't hate you uh, personally. I just hate your hypocrisy. And you're not coming forward. And that's why the rock and metal combat rules. We, we, we just go all the way over here and all the way over there. But then we meet back in Judas Priest life. And uh, then we go, we, we all stop talking about uh, breaking the law? You done? Yeah, I, th- I think we covered yeah. it. <laughs> all right. Then we go into the song that should have followed Grind, uh, Metal God, and that's Grinder. And I want Ohm to start this. All right. Uh, as with every song, there's a little something new. I, just, I realized when I'm listening to every new song, and this one I realized how much I liked Rob Halford's voice and how much I thought, man, this guy sounds like this or this or this. I was like, no, no, no. All of those people, I'm guessing, sound like Rob Halford because he seems to have some different styles, which I'll get into in a little while when I tell you what I thought about a couple of the songs. Um, Another one that grew on me and grew on me and what got me on this one, this is the one uh, with the line about uh, meat for the grinder. Yes, looking for meat, yeah. Um, (laughs) I really, really, really started digging that. And again, it was another instance of, man, if I had been a lot younger when I discovered this song, that him repeating that, talking about, you know, needing meat for the grinder, what, because you have to eat? (laughs) Or the machine has to eat? What is the, uh... Exactly. You see, that's what I was saying earlier. We all make up our own mind what that means. For me, it is like a, a monster that... Eat people, you know. Yeah. That's what I get. I thought it was more like the man, yeah. the, like the state, like yeah. the government, the the boot of the government. Well, you or whatever see, that's being. the beauty of everybody interpreting, you know, yes. what, what yes, a song means. So I really love the opening, um, especially like the drums. Uh, I really like the drums, but I really dug Rob Halford's voice and that that meat grinder. Uh, I think when I listened to it initially, it wasn't near the top. But now it's my number two. Oh, there uh, you go. Wow, interesting. I, I really, 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 this is another one that grew on me quite a bit. And uh, I dug it quite a bit. Very but again, cool. even with the dark themes and the and the sort of the, you know, 
what I call menace a little bit. It's easy to listen to. It's not hard. It's not challenging. It's not musically challenging for me. You know, it's like I, I, it was really easy to get into, and I really enjoyed it. So it's my number two. Nice, uh, Ian. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing, uh, because and and I stress this to Ohm. Uh, before we did this, I was like, I don't want to know any of your opinions, you know, you know, because I wanted this to be fresh and to be real and to be an honest review, like all of our reviews. Uh, but I felt even more so because Ohm is, is a personal friend of mine, you know, in life. And uh, wow, how, what, what a weird coincidence. This is my second favorite song on the album. And I, I this song, oh my, I love the way it starts with that. Jump, jump, jump. Jump, jump, da, da, da. Almost like awkward, like like an awkward machine, like starting up and grinding everything. And oh, I fucking love this song. And you know when Halford's singing, grinder looking for meat. I mean, it's just and I never even thought about it, like in a social or political way, the way you describe it. That makes perfect sense hearing it now. But it's just. The chug of it, the it's just so perfect. Chug is a good word. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good so word to describe yeah, it. Because yeah. it is, and, and Judas Priest and, and Black Sabbath both come from Birmingham, England, where they talk about it. it's all metal factories. It's machinery. They, they would hear a metal press like and and they're like that's that's beating to your brains, and it's also you can hear it in in the riffage of the songwriting and it, it just it, it's so amazing but it, uh, it almost becomes like a heartbeat when you listen to it you know it just it moves you along i absolutely love this fucking song i love this song so much there's only one that could top it and that's coming later but i love grinder one of my all-time favorite Judas Priest songs ralph i know you've got a lot to say about this so let's hear it yeah, like, oh, and you guys make a good point, like, and what Ian was saying with the, the metal press that these guys would hear, I mean, not only would they hear, they, they actually breathed it in, too. Um, it's in that documentary I was telling you about, on um, the Bridge Steel, Making a Bridge Steel. They talk about their childhood being in class and right across the street from a metal factory, which would be called British Steel. And... Um, and, and, you know, the burning of the metal in the air, you know, they would breathe in this shit. They were literally breathing in metal, hearing metal all day. <laughs> it, it's actually true. It's weird, but it's true. Oh, I get and They're uh, literal metalheads. Yeah, they're literally, they're literally became, metalheads. Before there was metal, there you go. So, uh, Grinder, to me, the best guitar solo on the whole album. Glenn Tipton does such a magical... Every freaking note is beautiful, but yet heavy, and it is um, very, very. I and I, I, I also want to bring up one part. Uh, this is very important, and I'm glad none of you brought this up because now I understand both of you are not closet homosexuals. Because all the closet homosexuals that listen to this song interpret it as something gay, looking for me. It's like what? Oh, 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 meat. What, women don't have meat? What are women made out of? Sugar and spice and anything nice? If that's true, why do they smell like tuna fish? 
Oh my god, you ever seen Ralph's mom naked? It looks like something on the dollar menu at Arby's. You know, <laughs> you know, look, look, it is funny that Ian says that, and I agree, it is true, but fuck, it's my mom, dude. I get kind of embarrassed when you bring that up. It is Sorry. true. I don't... Sorry, hey, I love a big Montana with cheese. Yeah. I'll tell you, just from what I've listened to on this album and what I've seen of Rob Halford over the years, uh, he's he's one of the primary songwriters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, lyric, yes. It, to me, saying that is about looking for, you know, dick on the download just seems too dumb and obvious for a guy like that. Yeah. He yeah, seems smarter yeah, than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yes, but he does have a song called Jawbreaker. That, that that actually he revealed later was about sucking a huge cock. But well, it, see, that's clever. And I had no idea. That's clever. Looking for grinder the meats thing is is just sort of, it just seems kind of dumb and on the nose. It, to me, it, it seems it's totally not a gay-related song. Right. To me, the song sounds more like a song that was written, you know, with the Falkland Wars going on back then. Yes. It feels like a song about, you know, Grinding up the kids. Uh, that's what it felt like to me listening to it. And I don't know if they're a political band at all. I don't know what their politics no, are. No, they aren't. They're, they are far from a political band. Judas Priest has never, ever spoke about politics in anything, actually, you know? But again, like what you were saying, you can interpret this to that. Right. Or I interpret <clears throat> it more like I'm, you know, like a metal machine, like fucking forcing people to eat, you know? And, uh, but anyway. My point is, is that, you know, people are fishing, you know, to, to look for any gay innuendo in Judas Priest songs. Now, Jawbreaker, believe it or not, even the first time I heard it, uh, deadly like a viper peering from its coil. That sounds like, you know, <laughs> that to me, that sounds like a guy that ain't circumcised. And, and, and I'll go into the next one because the next one is probably the one that people out there like the least. But I do. I think it's so catchy. It's so anthemic. United is just, it's a call to arms, especially back then. You gotta understand, oh, and Ian, both of you. Heavy metal in its infancy, because, you know, okay, we really know the infancy is really Sabbath in the 70s. No, but really, 1980, which I feel like was the most pinnacle year of the history of heavy metal because so many great albums came out that year that was the year where it became like heavy metal there was no little blues influences there was no before the dawn there was no you know sabbath had you know, you know weird songs like rock and roll doctor and shit like that there was no total metal band even judas priest dabbled in you know beyond the realms of death and you know, there, there's some songs, I mean, they were mostly metal, but at times, but Br British Steel was fucking metal. And this is a heavy metal album, even United. United spoke to me so much in 1980. It spoke to me more than any song on this album. Because United, 1980 heavy metal was starting to take hold of people. Was starting to take hold of all my buddies. But there, it also deterred so many people. And it was really us against them. In 1980, I'm talking about. I went to school with 80% new wave people that liked the cars and the police. Nothing, I love those bands too, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but they, no, they were, ew, Judas Priest, ew. You know, even ACDC was considered metal. You know, so you shook me all night long, made it okay for people to like them. But before that, and you know, Hell's Bells and stuff like that. United was a way of saying, look, 
let's all unite and uh, we are free. And that, to me, heavy metal, for me personally, is the ultimate uh, gesture of freedom. It, it, it installed in me everything that made my life. And I feel like my life has been a fucking dream. Everything, I've had hard times, I've had shitty times, but I'm a happy person. And if I was to die tomorrow, I wouldn't want anybody to mourn for me. Everybody, if I die tomorrow, people would say, man, can you believe this guy fucked a mother and daughter? Can you believe he had two chicks in his bed that if you you add both their ages together, they still wouldn't be as fucking as old as this fucking pervert. That makes me happy. Things make me happy like that. Threesomes. <laughs> Heavy metal. My band, Thrasher Die. Cocaine. No, I'm just kidding about the cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make, get a reaction out of you. But you know what I mean? So many things make me happy. Because I live my life. Look, you see, I have long ass hair. I've had long ass hair basically my whole life. The only time I ever cut my hair short, and this is a funny story, I never told this story on, on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, Ian. In 1997, I, oh, I, re- I, I, I remember. I did tell you this, though. Okay, I'll say it again. On, oh, on the air you did? I don't remember this. Okay, I don't know if I said it on no, the No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what he's going to say. This is a true story. And, and, and funny <laughs> enough, while we're recording this, we're getting near Halloween. In 19. 19- 97, I cut my hair really short and went to a Halloween party with short hair. And people were like, whoa, what the fuck, Rob? You cut your hair? I go, yeah, it's my Halloween costume. I'm a member of Metallica. Oh, <gasps> true story. That's, okay, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's how insane that's a, I am. That's a good burn right there. Yeah, and you see, uh, picture. I pictures could. or get the fuck out. Exactly. Oh, no, no. I'll show you pictures. I have pictures. Oh, Please. I'm, yeah, I want to see that. I'll show you. I have a picture with Chuck Billy with the short hair, and I have a picture with Blitz from Overkill with the short hair. Anyway. We need uh, to see that. But it's funny because my hair, I'm like a fucking Chia pet because this happened in fucking uh, Halloween. On New Year's Eve, my hair was already touching my shoulders. But anyway, let me get back to um, United. Again, it was... It did unite me and my buddies because we we felt like we were part of something special that nobody got, and it made us feel special. And it was, I mean, I know a lot of people look, you know, the Beavis and Buttheads and shit like that, where they, and Airheads, they really took it to a Mongolic, you know, even though we do kind of have some of those traits, but fuck, man, we all, back in the, all of us, we finished high school. We didn't, you know, we weren't just like drug addicts. I mean, we liked to smoke pot. We got drunk, but we finished school. It got worse as, uh, as the 80s uh, progressed. But uh, we, uh, my generation, we did shit right. We did, we did what you had to do, but then we partied when it was done. You know, we had responsibility. We took care of. We were raised by good parents. But United <coughs> made me feel special. It, and it still does to this day. It... And, and I'll tell you this, it is my least favorite song on the album. I still love it, though, because of the, the message of it, the way it makes me feel. We are united. And I just love the hell. Rob Hoffman's like one of the guys I love the most out of every band. I just love the way that guy is, you know? The gay thing doesn't matter to me because, look, if he was straight, I still wouldn't want to fuck him. 
You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. I love David Lee Roth. He's not gay, but I, I don't want to fuck David Lee Roth. I don't want to fuck any guy. So if he's gay or straight, it doesn't matter. Either way, I'm not fucking him. Is that a long enough uh, explanation of United? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll throw it to Ohm on that one. So, uh, Ohm, what do you think of uh, the anthemic song that closes side one? I, I think it closes side one in, in England, too. No, probably not. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Ohm? Right there in my notes. Anthemic. Uh, I see that. I wrote anthemic on that one. And it's funny, Ralph and I are simpatico in this. Even though he says it's his least favorite song, it's my third favorite song. What? Hey, no. And the reason, I, I, I get and the reason it is, is because of the feeling it gives me. Yes. I think it's kind of cheesy, actually. It almost sounds like an, uh, an anthem written for a, uh, an underachieving London soccer club. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine a bunch of soccer fans singing this in a pub. <clears throat> and getting riled up and then going out and curb stomping a bunch of dudes from another pathetic soccer. <laughs> um, it, it's really kind of cheesy. It's the most accessible album on the song, in my opinion. It's yes. the most pop song on the album, in my opinion. And I almost feel bad for liking it, and I actually thought I was going to take shit. for Because for a, the longest time, this was my number one song. Because I would find myself afterwards, United, United, and I was singing it. It was an earworm. It earwormed me. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I, it ended up being my number three because I can't help. Every time it comes on, I get kind of pumped up. I feel like I should be cheering for something. I, I, I feel a swell. You know what I mean? It's it's a, a, almost a, a physical reaction, how some songs can get you, and you're not even paying any attention to, to why. That's what this song does. More than any other song on the album, I react to it in a certain way, even though I really shouldn't. It's kind of cheesy a little bit. It's it's very earnest. It's very stuff I typically don't like in music. But I ended up liking it a lot. And, 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 and that's what's missing in heavy metal today. And I've brought this up many times. It, you know, it died in the 80s. Positive songs. Songs to pump you up. I, I have a song off my the, the, the combat EP called Demons, which I wrote about me quitting cigarettes, but it also, what I wanted to do in that song was not talk about, I, you, you wouldn't know it's about me quitting cigarettes, but I wanted to bring back something positive in a heavy metal song. And I think I achieved it because it's a song about nothing is gonna control me. I am the ruler of my own destiny and fuck you, I'm not your bitch. You know, I think I even say that in the song. Something to, uh, you know, make, make the demon your bitch. You know, that's what, that's exactly because when I quit cigarettes, that was my mentality. That's how I quit cigarettes. I quit by saying to myself, you cannot control me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to control you. So I'm going to grab you. And, and the chorus says, demons locked in, in chains deep inside my brain. It's still in there, but I, I have it, my foot on top of it. And that's why United is a song that really does. Uh, identify with that type of philosophy. I mean, yes, it does seem cheesy, but in my world, I love cheese. And I've I've done so much shit in my life because of cheese. And the cheese worked. And now, Ian Wadley will give us his opinion on United. Well, 
before that, I, I do want to say that Demons is the most positive thing you've ever done besides your AIDS test. Uh, great hey, song. Uh, excuse me, HIV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have not yeah. caught the AIDS yet. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there's still there's still a chance. No, um, there's definitely a chance, man. <laughs> but you see, look, look, right there, Ian brings up a, a great shit. Songs like United and, and all these songs, so pop, look at me, I'm dying of HIV and I'm still happy as fuck. Thank you, Judas Priest. There you go. All right, uh, United. Wait, 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 this, wait, Ian, Ian, just one more yes. thing. Yes, sir. I'm joking. I want to get laid again, okay? I don't have <laughs> HIV. No, 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 my mom's had it since the 80s. Don't worry about it. You're good. Yeah, but I um, wear two condoms with that fucking slut. <laughs> no, no, that's so the girls can feel something. Uh, anyway, we go into United. Uh, this was a single off the album. Not in America. <clears throat> no, well, it, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> Europe. It was the third single off the album. Uh, sometimes I love this song, sometimes I hate it. Uh, maybe it's just bad memory, because I remember, like, hearing this song and, like, you know, I'm feeling what you guys are talking about, this anthemic, you know, anthem. And I went and played it at a rally for the United Negro College Fund, and they beat my ass and said, stop playing this honky bullshit. Uh, so maybe I have a negative, uh, opinion on this song. It's it's a little it, it is it's cheesy. I I do love some cheese. It's my least favorite song on the album. I get that man. I totally but, I, I understand but, it. But <clears throat> I, I I do like it. There's no song on this album that I hate. There's just ones I enjoy more. There there is nothing where I'm like oh I can't take this shit. Where's the fast forward button? Where's the skip button? Uh, there isn't that. But this is not my favorite. And I think what it is, it reminds me a little bit too much off the previous studio album, Killer Machine or uh, Hellbent for Leather, depending on where you live. But they have a song called Take On The World, which I really didn't care for. And it, But it's the same kind of anthemic song, like uh, let's all rally together, rah, rah, sis, boobah, kind of bullshit. Uh, it, it's not my bag. But it's not a horrible song. Definitely, though, my least favorite. All right, uh, I'm going to the next song, which is You Don't Have to Be Old <coughs> to Be Wise. Is that what Open Side 2 in Britain? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, this one was a grower for me. At first, it was pretty much like wallpaper. Like, oh, a song, song played? I didn't even notice. You know, uh, I like it a little bit more. It is the longest song on the album. This one's tracking a little over five minutes. Uh, not bad, but not a standout track. I would consider this one filler, but I still enjoy it. But I would never like, okay, oh, I'm putting up British Steel. First song I gotta hear is You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise. It's kind of, it's wallpaper. It's filler to me, even though it's not horrible. What do you think, Om? Uh, that's funny. <clears throat> I was simpatico with Ralph on a feeling on the last one. And on this one, it's the same way. My first note is opening sounds familiar like a generic rocker that I've heard a thousand times before. Uh, but then, like so many of these songs, I feel it opens up a little bit. Um, becomes really accessible to me. Uh, I, I started enjoying it. Yeah, it's kind of got a, a cliche thing, almost like a Hallmark card sentiment. You know, you don't have to be old to be wise. Um, but 
the thing that I got out of this and what I ended up my note with, Fucker is a great singer. Uh, I really, really, his voice gets me in this one. It's, <clears throat> I think Ralph said earlier he doesn't do a lot of high notes on this album, and I don't recall if there's high, a lot of high notes in this song, but I just found myself as uh, in the latter part of the song really, really enjoying his voice. And, and I'm not necessarily one who, who, who focuses so much on voices and, and vocal performances. Uh, shit, I like Tom Waits. Uh, I'm more an overall... I'm a, I'm a guitar, bass, and drums guy. My brain automatically goes for the bass. Uh, so I don't normally care much about singers. For the most part, they're important, of course, but I'm not... That's not the part that I'm trying to emulate when I'm sitting there thinking about the music. But this song, every time, his voice jumps out at me and, and grabs me, and, and it made me realize, damn, and I think that's the point where I realized, wow, there's a lot of people out there in heavy metal who owe a lot to Rob Halford, because as I go back and think about bands that I know songs from who are, you know, who are in metal, I'm thinking, wow, that guy, I heard, I heard, I hear Rob Halford in you. Or I hear you doing Rob Halford. And I think I've got a specific example later. You guys are going to be telling me I'm full of shit, but I listened to enough hair metal in the 80s because of MTV to where I know D. Snyder from, uh, you know, David Lee Roth and stuff. But um, yeah, it starts off generic, uh, ends up being better. You know, not one of my favorites, but like Ian said, it's not a bad song. Comes on, I'm not fast forwarding to it. I'm going to listen to it because it's got enough in it that I, that I really enjoy. Ralph, what did you think? Well, um, I agree with you. His vocals on it. Actually, I think uh, this song is uh, showcases um, his best vocals out of all the songs. I think he, his deliverance on uh, this song is offered at, at his best. You know, and he has matched this on many other songs. He sings, you know, because I mean, but every song on here, he sings great. I'm not saying he's not, but this one is a little more gymnastic-y than the other ones. He puts a little more um, shades and colors and shades in it. And uh, the sentiment is great. Yes, I'd have to put it down there with United, my two least favorite songs. But the message on it was very helpful, again, in my youth back then. You know, it was just like United. It's up, up against them. And it is a song about... I, I mean, this is what I interpreted. Authority looking down <laughs> on metal. It's like, you know, you don't have to be old to be wise. And, you know, I wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I was a young punk, you know, back then. But, you know what? Looking back, there was a lot of mistakes I made, of course, like all of us. When we're young, we think we're invincible. We do stupid shit, and we learn. But at the same time, we weren't really stupid. We knew wrong from right. And we did get blamed for a lot of shit that they were fucking wrong and we were right. And that happens a lot. Like, and I'll give you another example. I can sit here and badmouth today's music. Like what you were saying earlier about your kids liking this and that. Not your bag, but whatever. Your kid liked it. That's my point. If I'm going to look down on some kid and say, you know, since I'm not a fan of uh, Linkin Park, you know, or, or uh, Ben Sevenfold or whatever, you know. I, I don't like it, but some kid that loves that shit, and by me going up to him going, dude, that shit sucks, what the fuck's wrong with you? That's no different than some fucking asshole coming up to me going, 
Oh, you like Kiss? Even though it was a little worse. They actually kicked my ass once for wearing an Ace Freely shirt, Freely shirt. But my point is, man, no, these kids aren't stupid for liking Avenged Sevenfold. They aren't stupid for liking all these bands I hate. That's their thing, man. So you don't have to be old to be wise. It's kind of like, believe me, a lot of people, the older kids, the, the Rolling Stone, Led Zeppelin, 70s fans, the ones that were into bad company could not get into Judas Priest. I'm talking about the older kids that gave us shit. Like, oh, that shit's just fucking noise. That's what Judas Priest was, noise like that. It was, that's not music, that's noise. You know, this is pre-death metal, by the way. And, um, and yeah, and British Steel is a good example. I mean, people hated that shit from the older generation. And that song spoke to me like, you know, it's a big middle finger to those people. And I do not want to be one of those people that back then judges you because you like shit they don't like. And that's why, I mean, I'm very open-minded when it comes to anybody. And my my last girlfriend was a huge Event Seven Soul fan. Huge. And, you know, I still fucked the... I still, I still got it up for her. <laughs> All right, well, then go on to the next one, which is The Rage. No. What? No. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Living After Midnight. The, the next song is Living After Midnight. Uh, a classic, man. This is a fucking classic. And like Breaking the Law, I never fucking have to hear again. Um, it's a great song. It's a great... It's just overplayed. To me, it's just like War Pigs or Paranoid. Those are incredible, incredible fucking songs. <clears throat> but it's just... It's been killed for me. Uh, there is a story about when they were recording this. Uh, Rob Halford had already gone to sleep, and Glenn Tipton just stayed up, just playing this riff over and over while they're in, you know, Ringo's mansion at the time. And and Rob Halford came out of his room. He goes, "I got a perfect fucking title for this song, Living After Midnight," because all he wanted to do was go to fucking sleep, but they wouldn't stop playing. John, 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 John. But, I mean, dude, that it's the same as fucking Louie Louie. I mean, it's that fucking catchy and that classic. I, I mean, it, it is it is a perfect song. I'm just, unfortunately, I'm just, it's just overkill for me. But I do love the fucking song. I appreciate the song. I acknowledge its, its history in metal and hard rock. I'm just, I'm, I'm just over it. I'm over it. But I do love the song. Oh, what do you think of Living After Midnight? <clears throat> um, straight up, when it came on, I laughed because I thought this was a Kiss song for years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I knew nothing about it. Marcus, I to Marcus Welby. <laughs> I thought it was a Kiss song. And uh, to me, it's the other sort of cliche song, um, like Breaking the Law. You've heard... This is one you've heard on jukeboxes. I've heard on jukeboxes for 30 years now. <clears throat> Just hear it constantly. And then as I was listening to it, this is where it got into me thinking, well, this is where other singers owe Rob Halford some uh, acknowledgement because does the vocals not sound like the lead singer for Rat later on? Or am I thinking of another band? Because then when I started listening to it, I thought it was kind of a Rat song because the vocals sound... the, the He's, he's kind of gravelly and, and 
not real clean and clear. I I could just be high, but uh, oh, good, seriously, good thought, chance a, you are. Good chance. No, I kind of Rat does have a lot of good time songs like this. But yeah, I, I honestly thought for, for years it was a Kiss song. And again, this one, it doesn't stand out much to me because I, I just can't separate it so much from, from what I've heard for so many years with it. Uh, nothing wrong with it. I don't dislike it at all. Uh, but it didn't grab me like Breaking the Law did uh, to sort of make me reevaluate it much. Uh, you know, I'll give it some more listens. But, uh, and I won't call it a least favorite because there's no, I don't really consider, well, there's one song on this album that I flat out don't like, um, but just I just don't like it. But we'll get to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a good song. It's a good song, but it doesn't really grab me much. Doesn't do much for me. All right, Ralph, me, me uh, I'm. I gotta say, uh, unlike breaking the law, this one does is totally burnt out. Um, does suffer the burnout factor. Uh, I can go without hearing this song ever again. I don't really care for it, even live. And uh, there, but there was a time I loved it, and uh, that means it's a good song. It, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's even now, even as burnt out. I mean, just like Crazy Train and well, I can name a Rock and Roll All Night, the studio version. Uh, there's songs that I love, but I just don't care to hear them anymore. And that's pretty much all I can say about this. For years, I thought he was saying, I searched the night for men, oh men. But he doesn't say that. But you see, that was uh, my closet homosexuality coming out. Thinking he said that. I was like, hey, did he say uh, search the night for men? The hell? Me too. But even back then, you know, I thought that. But I got to say, it... it, I don't put it down there with uh, You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise or United is my least favorite on the album. But out of the whole album, yeah, I can do without ever hearing this one again because it does not have the staying power that Breaking the Law has for me as far as I can hear it a trillion times and it, I don't get burnt out from it because, you know, the, the, the fact is if you're a metal fan, you're going to hear Breaking the Law and another thing coming at events and stuff like that where you don't get to hear the rest of the album, so therefore... You hear those more and you get burnt out more. It's on the radio. Even South Florida plays this shit on the radio. But that's all I got to say about that. Now I'm going to go into the last two. I'm going to start with the last two where, uh, funny enough, Ohm doesn't like one of the last two. And the last two are tied for my favorites on here. (laughs) Uh, Starting with, oh my God, something I have not mentioned yet was I saw and I am in the, they, they did a tour. It was the 30th anniversary British Steel Tour where they toured and they played the whole album. And when they played Hollywood, Florida, they filmed it and they released it on DVD. And I was at that show. And this is the moment I was waiting for at that show was the last two songs. Because these are the songs that I've never seen them play live. These two songs are just so epic for me. And uh, starting with The Rage, this... I'm telling you, and and what a weird opening. Sounds like it's going to be a reggae song, you know, and uh, with the bass. But then it goes into this fucking grinding heavy metal anthemic with words that just fucking scream metal. Opening line, again, Rob Hoffman's the master. From a fireball it came, crushed seas and mountains. 
right there, the visual is the end of the world, the rage. Everything about this song is so fucking great. And it takes a little twist and turns with the little reggae in the middle of this mid-tempo metallic monster. The Rage is definitely tied for my favorite song on the album, along with Rapid Fire and the last one. But I will gush about the last one when we get to it. But Ohm, would this happen to be the one you don't like? Uh, right here on my paper. Uh, yes. Favorite song? Bottom one. Yes. Favorite, favorite song. song. Oh, there you it's go. My favorite song on the awesome. album. Awesome. Yes. When it Good starts choice. off, and the first time it started off, the very first time it played, I, because I was not listening to it on shuffle, I looked over at my playlist to make sure that I hadn't shuffled into a song by The Fix. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't say that as an insult, because right. I love the fix okay good um i was like what is this what this is and that this song made me sit straight up in my chair stop what i was doing and listen to it and i enjoyed the crap out of it it has that mellow part and then it straight it, it starts rocking and stuff um i really thought it was another example of of, of halford's vocal range the guy can sing um, uh, I really like the rhythm guitar that's in it. Um, I like how it cuts back into that weird down-tempo section. And what I thought when I was listening to it, I was like, this is one of those tracks, seven or eight, number eight, that I always tend to find on albums back in the old days that I love. Songs that a lot of times bands were never going to play live. And if you ever do hear him play it live, and this is what I imagined was this them playing this one live in it being epic. Those slow parts, you know, uh, hooking people in like me, and that's what hooked me in, and then it getting bigger and badder and and, and sort of nastier and, and rockier, I guess. Um, my number one favorite song on the album, hands down. Um, love it a lot. Awesome, awesome. Great pick for a favorite song. I agree with you. I just have two others that are tied with it. Uh, Ian? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what. Ohm, you couldn't make me more proud, brother, because this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, my God. You guys are my metal head? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. You, I, you, a, you are well on your way. You are Metalhead intern? I'll tell you what. I got to give all the props in the world to Ralph. For picking this album because I was kind of all over the map on what to pick and Ralph's like no it's got to be this and I was like you think so and he's like he's like trust me and yeah you even told me when you gave it to me you were yeah. like I don't know if it's the right choice yeah and and Ralph Ralph you were right it was a great choice this is my favorite track on the album I I believe there's like two songs and that's it in the Judas Priest catalog that start out with Ian Hill's bass. Normally, he is just so buried in the mix. But it's, yep. it, it starts out with, with, with Ian Hill's bass. And then I love the guitar because it's got that post-punk. Like, to me, this song is like The Police meets Black Sabbath. Because it's got that chen 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 but then it's got that, da, 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 da. you know, it goes into that awesome fucking riff. 
And it's just, it's so amazing. And when this really registered with me is when I was watching, they put out a Greatest Hits compilation right after uh, Rob Halford left the band. And, and it was a Greatest Hits compilation. They also put out a video called Metalworks. It, it was a CD and it was a home video. And uh, I, I can't remember if it was KK or Glenn was talking about it. And uh, they were saying when he sings about, you know, being, you know, in a cage, you know, trapped with rage. He's like, the hair stands up on me. You know, I was like, I couldn't agree more. Like, I went back and listened to it. I was like, God damn, this is an amazing fucking song. And I love, though, how it changes the styles musically. I mean, they were an unabashed metal band, but you could hear new wave and post-punk influence on this through the guitar work and everything. And you would hear it even more on the next album, Point of Entry. And that's one I would strongly recommend to you, Ohm. If, if, I'm going to grab it right after this. If you like this, Point of Entry definitely takes this ball and runs with it. And a lot of Judas Priest fans hate that album. And a lot of Judas Priest fans love that album. But it's very much more experimental. And it's like them incorporating their version of metal but in modern times. It's very and commercial. It's a very commercial album. It, 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 it is commercial, but I don't think in a bad sense. You know, no, it's not like... No, not at all. I love that album. You know, it's, it's not like in, a, like, like in a Kenny Loggins Footloose kind of commercial. But, but I mean, it's like they, they, they take new influence. It's kind of like what Rush did with uh, Permanent Waves and, uh, and Moving Pictures. They definitely took a lot from the police and the cars in terms of guitar tone and, and guitar riffs and everything. And, and it's a band staying true, but, but being contemporary at the same time. I cannot say enough good about this fucking song. The Rage, my very favorite track on this album. And then we go into the last one, which is Steeler. Um... Steeler, to me, is a good song, but it's not a standout track. And I kind of think maybe there should have been a shift in what ended the album. I don't hate it by any means, but I think like, I think the Rage would have been a better way to end the album than Steeler. <coughs> I, I, I like Steeler, but it's like, when it's over, that's one of those things like, you know, like I always say, I, I play the shit out of these albums before we review them. And I kept listening to it like, is there something I'm missing? Is there something I'm missing? I'm like, it's not horrible, but there's just not something there to fucking grab me. You know, there's no chutzpah right there that like, oh yeah, Steeler. You know, it's just like, it's the track that ends the album. Where I think the rage would have been like, oh, that would have been a way to fucking end it. I don't hate the song. But to me, it's filler. What do you think, Ohm? Uh, this was initially one of my favorite tracks because the way it starts uh, was, the I think, the one song that really got me sort of bopping my head. It got me, I, I really like the way it, it started. Um, <clears throat> then it maybe it, it gets a little generic, but then it sort of comes back with some nice guitar work. And um, I, like, I really like how it ends. Uh, so on my initial listens months ago, this one was like near the top. I really enjoyed it. It was the one that was made it into my first rotation of my regular of my music. Um, 
on this new re-listen, it sort of dropped out. I think it becomes my fourth favorite song. And Ralph, the the, the album that I have, <clears throat> Steeler's not the last track. There's two yeah, more tracks. Yeah, I, but you, see, the thing about that, uh, all these remasters... So I like Steeler. I, 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 the thing about these remasters, they, they add bonus tracks that weren't recorded at that era. So I really don't want to talk about those songs. Uh, because they're right. yeah, perfect because one right. of them is my 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 one that I absolutely oh yeah. oh yeah oh, and that's, okay okay that, and, I thought I thought it was that makes sense yeah uh, no that, that's that's one thing I <laughs> no got. I like Steeler I like okay. Steeler I think it's a good song uh, I, I I gotta agree with Ralph here when they did the remasters for Judas Priest I think this was a totally horrible move they put bonus tracks that weren't from the same era or yeah. recording sessions. And I, 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 I think that really suffered the flow of the album because they put one like the the first one, and, and I probably I know what you're talking about. It's like red, white, and blue or some shit. That's the oh, one. Oh, oh, I hate that song. That's oh, the oh, it's it's it's, that. It, it's horrible. It, it, but that, but that was recorded for the turbo sessions six years later. Yeah, it's horrible. They would do something like that to destroy right. such a. And you see, right. look, look, and that's what I was telling you, Ian. Ohm is a prime example of what I've been telling you all along. All these bonus tracks are fucking bullshit because Ohm is here saying, well, okay, I'll tell you what my least favorite, because Ohm doesn't know that's not part of British. I had no Brit idea. He thought it was part of British Steel. Now tell me how that fucks up the legacy of British Steel because according to Ohm here, he loved the whole album up to that point. I mean, yeah. maybe some songs more than others, but when he heard this Absolutely. song, it's like, oh man, this is a shitty song. Oh, yeah. This my, is a shitty my, song my... off, but that's because all. No, I no, I agree, and I. But I am one. I love bonus tracks because I want a little oomph for my buck. I want a little something I, I haven't know. heard. But to to do something like that to where it's like this isn't even from the same era. I've never heard of a band ever doing that. Normally. It's a live recording from that, uh, you know, a song from that album or, you know, something recorded during those sessions. But Judas Priest, they mixed it up on everyone. I don't know if that was like their weird kind of like, hey, we're going to mix it up so you have to buy everything. But yeah, that was horrible. Should not have been included on that. Uh, I'm actually in both camps with you guys on this. I don't mind getting a bonus track. If you're going to remaster something. Uh, for example, iTunes recently, uh, a couple years ago, they took the first three or four REM albums, they remastered them, and they added 40 bonus tracks, Damn. Uh, demos, outtakes, B-sides. However, the initial album was completely intact, and the first however many, 8, 9, 10, 11 tracks, they were there. Everything that was there after that I've pulled maybe two songs off of each album right. to put into my regular playlist. The rest of the stuff, I appreciate having it because I'm a little bit of a completist with some stuff. As we are. So I like, I like having that, but if they had thrown a bonus track into the middle of the album, of the original album mix, or mixed it up like they did with this one, I could see myself being like, nope, nope. I would rearrange it to the way it should be. Um, right. So I definitely like, but yeah, we hit, and I know we're not off a of Steeler yet, but I hit Red, White, and Blue, and my note was, is this an Irish drinking ballad? Yeah, yeah. I was it, like, this is it, As an Irishman, I take offense to that. It was just, it was like a speed bump, that, and thank goodness it was almost the last song, uh, 
wasn't yeah. white, but the right. last song redeemed it, but it's just a repeat, so. Yeah, my point my point is I I'm not against bonus tracks. Me, I would love to hear everything, even the the bad songs they've done. I'd love to have everything, but I don't want it on the CD. If you're gonna put bonus tracks, put a bonus CD. So people are aware. This is something that has nothing to do with the album. Even if it was recording during that era, I don't want it mixed in with the album I grew up with. I want it shit, I already have a problem with Breaking the law being after fucking uh, uh, Metal Gods, but hey, what can I do? But, uh, but man, you see, I and, and here's something interesting. Uh, Red, White, and Blue, whatever the fuck the name of that song is. I, if you were to ask me, and I'm like the probably the biggest Judas Priest fan out of us three, I cannot name you what bonus tracks are on what. Because all those bonus tracks I didn't like. And I don't, I, and also, I didn't run out and buy, I never bought one of those albums. I have all the originals, and that's how I wanted it to stay. I got a CD from my friend who burned it all on a CD. So I have a CD blank with all, uh, a CDR with all the, the bonus tracks. And I think there was like one or two that were okay, like Grace of the Devil or something like that. It was all right. It wasn't great. It was, you listen to all these songs, and all you can think of, I mean, me, all I can think of is like, yeah, no wonder it, no wonder it never ended up on an album because this shit blows. It's not good. Now, back to Steeler. I love this song. This is tied for my favorite song off the album, along with the Rage and uh, Rapid Fire. Um, it's just so metal. It hurts, and everything is so great about it. And, and to me, it's kind of a song which I totally disagree with Ian. It is the ultimate song to end this album the rage kind of ends with that i don't know that doesn't have that what, what's the word i'm looking for the fucking uh chutzpah not chutzpah like you know the, the closure like a you know like i don't know it's, there's a, there's a word for it but anyway rage does i mean a stealer does have it because stealer to me stealer starts great and it just gets better and better and better and then when it goes into the climax where they're going and Glenn and KK are switching solos where KK does the classic with the whammy bar and then Glenn comes in with his clean playing and they go back and forth and back and forth and then the drums like build it up climatic I think that's the word and then it hits that final note which is the equivalent of the final note on Sgt. Pepper man that and it fades out fucking metal perfection right there Steeler and the, and and half of it is lyrics the other half is instrumental I love that and I love that kiss of Judas spider like it's like what the fuck does that mean it means metal bitch <laughs> Steeler rules tied for it my third more- favorite means middle american moms freaked out when they heard it what are you listening to honey uh judas priest oh is it christian rock (laughs) yeah yeah there you go and i also want to say that um uh judas priest did actually inspire me to kill myself but the i forgot to put the bullet in the shotgun but it is true judas priest music will lead to suicide and uh and, and to Hail Satan. Hail Satan! I, to Judas Priest music, I would get flies and tear their wings off. 
There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's finish up with some album notes on this. This was the first studio album produced by Tom Allman. Who? Wait, no. Didn't he do Unleashed in the East? Well, that's why I said it. Well, well, it depends on who you ask. I'm saying first studio album. Yeah, didn't he do Unleashed in the East? Go <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, this was the first official studio album produced by Tom Holland, who would stay with Judas Priest throughout the 80s. Uh, it was released April 14, 1980. was recorded at Tittenhurst Park, owned by Ringo Starr at the time, was formerly owned by John Lennon. And uh, originally, they started recording this at another studio, and they just weren't feeling it. So then they switched to the other studio, and, uh, man, just an amazing album. This did go platinum in the U.S. Uh, it made it to number 34 on the charts. Uh, not bad for a metal album in 1980 when uh, Christopher Cross and Doobie Brothers and shit ruled the airwaves. It did make it to number 34. So it is an iconic album. Uh, a lot of people, it was their gateway drug to Judas Priest and the heavy metal in general. And I'm so glad that you picked this for Ohm. And Ohm, I'm so glad that you enjoyed this album. And I would like to say, this is something I would really like to do again in the future. Uh, I would like to pick another album in, in the genre and, and to have you back in the yes. future as, as a guest again. To give us a fresh perspective because it was very nice to have somebody uh, that, I mean, this is like so new to you, and and you gave an honest, heartfelt, from the gut review with no bias, and I really enjoyed this episode. I I second that. Oh, it was amazing, and I think we are the first podcast to do something like that, like a metal podcast where we bring somebody that doesn't know or like not into metal, because you know Ohm has, you know, he's damn TV generation, he's aware of it, but he didn't. He wasn't sucked in like us. And hearing you talk about these songs that aren't really your ilk and hearing how you actually enjoyed them really made me feel giddy and I didn't need alcohol like both you Lushes did. Yes, yes, I, I needed well, alcohol. I was, I was actually going to, uh, you know, not beg, but say I would love to do this again and I would love for you guys to give me something challenging. You know, I'm, I mean, challenging something like chunky okay. something dark something okay. twisted yeah um, don't worry we, we're, we're experts we're all fine the something. same way no I, so I i would love to do this because i because i know ohm personally i know ohm when he, he's not a liar he's not a bullshit guy if there's something i mean he did happen to like this album but if it was something he didn't like he's got no problem saying he doesn't and i think that's refreshing and i think that's a great uh, you know, part of the show to have, and, and like I said, I find it really refreshing that you are somebody who's heard every episode, and it's not just because we know each other, because even though we know each other, if it sucked, you would have tuned out, but you still turn in because you do love what we do on the show. Well, more me than you, though. Uh, it's yeah. absolutely true. If you guys sucked, I would have tuned out, and I would have <laughs> told Ian straight up, hey, it's, it's just not for me, right. but I've said it before. Um, I appreciate people with uh, passionate knowledge about a subject, especially a subject that I don't know a lot about. I learn something new on every podcast, but this also dovetailed with me about a year ago <clears throat> being a dad to a 12-year-old girl um, and not wanting to turn into 
the guy in his 40s that yells about music that the kids like. So I started doing this thing where every week, every Monday morning, based on podcasts I listen to, I make sure I buy at least one new song by a new artist or an old artist's new release every Monday. It's either a song, a lot of times it's an album. I make myself get new music because the stuff I liked when I was 15, with the explosion of music digitally in the last few years and the way the music industry has changed, if I liked this at 15, there's 10 bands out there doing something like that now. All it takes is a little research and to open your mind up a little bit. I don't ever want to be that dude. I don't want to be, uh, music when I was younger was better. No, music when I was in puberty struck me differently. And no music will ever hit me like that again. But there's so much good stuff out there that I'm discovering. And uh, that's part of this. That's why I've stuck with you guys, because you teach me something a little new every week. And shit, I enjoy British Steel. It awesome. was a ton of fun. And I'm looking forward to the next one, to, to, to getting a little bit more Judas Priest and to expanding my uh, universe of metal a little bit. So appreciate it, guys. Hey, Thank you very I, much. I appreciate it. Oh, my God, a question for you. Have you ever noticed, like, you know, that that passion that me and Ian, when we talk about them, we are very passionate. But do, you have noticed every time my passion, like, kind of wanes when I, stop talk, when I start talking about Ian's mom. You notice I'm not that passionate when, when that happens. <sighs> You get it, right? You get that vibe. I mean, honestly, you know. It takes me Lamar Odom levels of pills in order to get passionate (laughs) about that woman. So, I hear you. Ouch. Ouch. But but notice, notice, Ian. Ian, very passionate when he talks about mom. Because at least my mom can make you come to a (laughs) blowjob. Yeah, especially when she takes out her teeth. Oh, she actually has (laughs) these teeth? All right. It, it's $5 without the team. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, this was great. Uh, I also want to add the album cover. It's so iconic. And the thing I love so much about the British Steel album cover, it's a hand gripping down on a razor blade, but yet there's no blood. And that, to me, is so fucking metal. Because, I mean, it's so predictable to have blood, right? But no. This is like a hand that's squeezing down. It's to me looking at it, it's like, boy, if this guy took a picture one second later, it'd be full of blood. You know what I mean? And I right. love that. I love the fact that you see the red in the hand. I love this album cover so much that my band Thrasher Die did a parody of it, where it's uh it's the same hand. We just took out the razor blade and put a razor blade type logo of my band, the guy gripping down on it. And the original one had blood. I was like, no, take that off. Make it like uh, British Steel. No blood. That goes that... back to your uh, statement about those guys where they grew up. They were breathing in metal. Yeah, were, it's exactly. like we, We're tougher than Razor. We're metal. Yeah, that's right. And that's exactly right. What's funny is while I was doing research for the album, I was looking at reviews of it. And a lot of the reviews, there'd be a little notation saying it was for the 30th anniversary edition, which... They put out a 30th anniversary edition that had the bonus tracks, plus it had a live concert recorded in uh, Rouse hometown. I was there. I also want to but, put in a little note. I went to that show in my Thrasher Die shirt. I had really good seats, so my and I knew beforehand they were going to film the show. So I went there with the intention of getting on camera. So my 
Thrasher's eye appears on a Judas Priest video. So every time, like, the, 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 the camera would come down, you know, those, those mobile cameras, I would get in the shot. And then uh, there was one part during Breaking the Law, I swear to you, a cameraman walked right up to me. And I went up to the camera, and I'm screaming, breaking the law, breaking the law, you know, going crazy. And then, like, go, going up so the guy can get my shirt. <laughs> Not one time do you see me in the whole fucking show, man. Not uh, one time. Even when they uh, pan into the audience. And the section I'm in, you don't see me, and it kills me. It sucks. Oh, if only we had those editors on this show. Yeah, man, it'd be... <laughs> It would, be more, anyway. it would be Judas Priest with a Thrashered Eye logo throughout the whole thing. But anyway, I was looking at the reviews for the album, and most of them had the notation that said 30th, 30th Anniversary Edition. The only one that didn't was the Rolling Stone review for this album, which they just marked as favorable. And I have a really hard time feeling that that was, that was for the original review. Because as we all know, Rolling Stone hated metal in the 80s. But I can totally see him backpedaling. Knowing now how many people love this album. How many people bought this album. How influential this album is. Now all of a sudden, Rolling Stone being oh, it's a great album. Well, remember, Rolling Stone never gave one favorable review to Black Sabbath. Not one favorable review to Led Zeppelin in the 70s. Uh, Van Halen's first album, they called David Lee Roth... An Ian Gillen clone, and they won't make it past an album or two. And all three of those bands are now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The hypocrisy. And uh, no, I'm not going to go into that. Well, they weren't the Eagles, so. Yeah, yeah. Jan Winter didn't care much for them. Well, speaking of a peaceful, easy feeling, let's go into Pick of the Week. And Ohm, as our special guest this week, you get to go first with <laughs> your Pick of the Week. All right, so I'm going to uh, pick something that I've discovered in the last year uh, as part of my, you know, new music stuff. Um, my favorite album probably of the last 10 years by this Australian singer-songwriter, really good guitarist named Courtney Barnett. Um, she's got an album called uh, Sometimes I Just Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit wide variety of musical styles and influences and stuff but she's got a punk rocker song on it called pedestrian at best uh name's courtney barnett uh love the album so to give the listeners and the people out there in rock and metal combat podcast land you know an idea of where i come from you know if you called a bass band for me a bass band for me would be rem that's what i i got hooked on you know when i was 15. that's what took me away from the top 40. um in the 90s, loved a lot of, uh, you know, rock and chick bands. And uh, Courtney Barnett is just phenomenal. Uh, and may not be your cup of tea, but I think you'll dig the song. It's got a nice punk edge to it. Uh, she's a good songwriter, really good guitar player. Uh, really enjoy the album. Saw her live a couple of months ago awesome. here and, in New Orleans. And, and you got to see her at One-Eyed Jacks, which I did get to take route to One-Eyed Jacks. He did get to see the club. And we had yeah, a good, great show. We, we had a good time there. It's a great venue. Three-piece band. She takes uh, the album, which is a lot of different stuff. You'll get some, like, early 90s Riot Girl stuff. You'll get some, like, uh, uh, there's a song that's a little country. There's a bluesy song. There's a punk rock song. There's some rockers. But uh, live, she and her three-piece uh, three band, uh, 
everything is played as power rock songs. Uh, really good, really uh, strong performer. I like her a lot. Courtney awesome. Barnett. Awesome. All right, Ian. Uh, you got one, Ian? Yes, I do. My pick of the week is by somebody I just saw the other week, and that is Glenn Danzig and the Danzig Band. This is the sixth album, Danzig 666 Satan's Child. Uh, a lot of people were mad with the fifth album because the original Danzig Band broke up and it was a very industrial record. Well, this one has a little tinge of the industrial, but it also brings back the classic Danzig sound. Uh, there's some amazing tracks on this, like the title track, uh, Five Finger Crawl, Belly the Beast, Lillin, uh, just an amazing album. I think it's really good. It got overlooked because so many people gave up after the fifth album. Go back if you're a fan of Danzig. Check out Danzig 666 Saints Child. It's my pick of the week. I, I have that record when I used to do my radio show. It was a promo. I took it home, heard it once, hated it. I'll, wow. give, I'll give it another shot. It was probably like, you know, hey, I hated Fair Warning the first time I heard it. So. Yeah, so what do you know? My pick is kind of a weird one. It's actually, uh, I'm picking three. Three CDs this week because it's all connected. It's a, a total of six CDs in total. Uh, the Beatles Anthology. I, yes. I love, I listen to that just as much as all the other Beatles. I, I wish they would release it on vinyl. Um, if I was to pick what's the best one, what's my favorite one, it would have to be two. Yes, mine as well. But that's because I'm a big fan of the mid-period uh, Beatles. But I love every era. I love the early shit. And there's great... Like that live version of This Boy, and uh, You Can't Do That. I like You Can't Do That even better on the anthology version than I do the original version. And there's so many great like uh, uh, alternative versions of Glass Onion, and Your Mother Should Know, and Obla D, and you know, all these songs that are definitely, actually musically different. You know, they went through a different metamorphosis, these songs. Like, and, uh, I think it's they're phenomenal, and I do listen to them quite often. Uh, you know, there's certain Beatles albums I listen to way too much, and and I have to add, I have to say, I listen to Anthology more than let's say Magical Mystery Tour, and I love that album, but I'd rather hit Anthology, uh, Rubber Soul, Revolver, and Help. Those are like the ones I listen to the most. But then there's those days I want to hear Please Please Me and with the Beatles, and that's a great example of. The England versions of the Beatles albums are the best version. I hate the and, American version. I, I want to add, when I saw uh, Joe Jackson last week, he played Girl, and it was amazing. I he love goes, that song. He, he, goes, he goes, I'm going to do a song. Uh, he goes, I'm going to do a cover song now. And he goes, this one was written by John Lennon. And, and like, people just kind of, like, it was an older crowd. So, like, nobody was, like, going apeshit. He goes, let me repeat that. I'm going to do a song by John Lennon. <laughs> you know, and then he, he did an amazing cover of Girl. And yeah, what an amazing song. The middle period, I got to agree with you there, it is my favorite. Great pick, Ralph. Yeah, from, from uh, Help to yeah. uh, Help all the way up to uh, Revolver. Those three albums to me is like my favorite Beatles era, but there's not a bad Beatles album in my opinion. 
uh, with the exception of, you know, Yellow Submarine's more of a soundtrack, too much, and I can't, and I like classical music, I just feel like that, the classical music on, uh, but, but, Sam but it still, it still has Hey Bullfrog, which is amazing. Hey Bullfrog is one of my favorite Beatles songs, which, uh, I don't know if all you guys are familiar with, uh, they made a video for Lady Madonna, and actual, it's them in the studio recording Hey Bulldog. It's not actually, it, it just took clips of them recording Hey Bulldog and made a video to Lady Madonna. But many, many years later, they actually properly made a video for Hey Bulldog with footage of them in the studio. So yeah, type in the Beatles, Hey Bulldog, for anybody out there that doesn't know that song, it's a rocking tune. The shit, oh. it rocks. Yeah, great riff, good. great riff, and, uh, and 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 such amazing footage of those guys in the studio recording it. I highly recommend you all check that out. So that is my pick of the week, the Beatles anthology one, two, and three. Oh, and I also want to add the the <clears throat> DVD, the DVDs that came out accompanying that, which you know ABC ran the anthology every Sunday for like a month or so. But the DVDs bring a whole lot extra stuff, like a lot of live oh, yeah. footage they cut out. And it also brings the videos for Free as a Bird and, and Real Love, which are two newly recorded Beatles songs. And uh, what did you think of those songs, by the way? Did you like them? Uh, I, I love Free as a Bird. I liked it better than, uh, than Real Love. I mean, Real Love's good, but Free as a Bird, I think... Uh, What's his name? Jeff Lynn produced it for yeah, ELO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, did an amazing job, and I think it really uh, encompassed the feel of the Beatles. An amazing pick. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Uh, and I'd like to mention that you can buy all of this through our awesome Amazon link, which keeps my liver in a constant state of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, now we got to go to Fan of the Week. And fan of the week, since we have a New Orleans guest host, we also have a New Orleans fan of the week, and that is Mickey Daltrey. Mickey Daltrey, a.k.a. Mouse, a great, great fan of the show, always on the Facebook page, always liking shit. Every day he shows up, and that's what's so important, man. The Facebook page is a family. Everybody is so interactive on that, and it is it's one of the wildest sites on the fucking internet. It's fucking amazing. If you're not on our Facebook page, join. All you got to do is send a request. We'll let you in. And, uh, you know, then it's up to you to make the most of it. Also, go on iTunes. We're available on iTunes. If you're there, leave a review. Since I've started reading all these reviews on iTunes, we've been getting a lot more. I guess people like to hear their shit being read, and we will read it. So please go on iTunes, subscribe to us, leave a review. Very important. Of course, you can check us out on our home on Podbean. And when you go on the Podbean page, there's links to all kinds of amazing shit, like the Facebook page, like the Amazon page, like the Thrash or Die page, like the Combat page. Uh, that metal station, the Indie Authority, all this shit you can find on the Podbean page. But most importantly, we're talking about that Amazon page. Get on there, give daddy some money. Ain't gonna cost you a penny more and you get what you already want. Check us out on that metalstation.com where you can hear us Sundays 
at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And Thursdays, our times change on Thursdays. I believe we're on now at 6 p.m. Eastern. And followed both days by our, uh, by our show is the Dr. Fuck Show. Dr. Fuck has his own radio show. And it's doing amazing. Ralph, talk a little bit about it. Yes, it is a, a, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern is when I do it live. And I join the chat room. And, uh, you know, I play requests. And it's always a lot of fun. The chat room is not just us, like, uh, chatting away, which is a lot of fun. We all interact with each other. But also, you can put up pictures in the chat room. We, and I was putting up funny pictures of, you know my zany life you know all these crazy things i've done i show you know th stuff too risque for facebook so uh join that and you know if you're not home that's okay uh go on uh get a free it's a free app you can download on your phone called tune in radio you download it for free and then you type in that metal station and bam you can listen to the dr fuck show and the rock and metal combat podcast which is aired before my show both on thursday and Sunday, like Ian said, uh, Sunday I go on at 1 p.m. right after Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. It starts at 11, and the same. But on Sunday, it's a rerun of what happens on Thursday. So you know, if you miss it, you get another chance to listen. And believe me, it's fun. I uh, last week I did it drunk, and I, I, I want to do it mostly drunk. You know, when I go live, you know, there are going to be times like uh, I don't know when this episode is going to air. I'm sure it's going to be after my show in Puerto Rico, but you know, obviously I can't be here to do a live show. So I'm going to pre pre-record it and send it to Ian and Ian will upload it on that metal station. So you're still going to get a new show every week. And I want to thank everybody for the success that it has brought, uh, to, to me and, uh, and the show, man. I mean, everything I do at the end of the day, my number one priority, well, is pussy, but then it's, it's uh, the, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I put the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast ahead of my radio show and ahead of uh, uh, my reviews on iTunes. But I love sitting down and, and, look, having somebody cool like Ohm that I've never met before. And he's not into metal. And yet he got into this album. And to hear his perspective was awesome. That's why we're definitely going to have him back. And Ian, man, as much as uh, I pretend to hate him, I love him more than he knows. And I love him way more than he loves me. Because I know deep down inside, he hates me. But that's what happens with jealousy. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I, I tell you what, though. I do appreciate that you're doing your show drunk. Because now it's nice to have somebody ride my coattails. And... Oh, <laughs> well, give me a break, boy. <laughs> I was drinking alcohol when you were sucking on your mom's tit while... There was a John sucking on the other one. <laughs> yeah, and that's why she said we never got a check. But while you're on that metal station, also check out Mike Tyler's two amazing shows. One on Tuesday and one on Friday. And uh, directly inspired by our show. And I couldn't be more proud of him. Uh, until our beloved Dr. Fuck showed up, he was the most successful. And he's still the number two, and he's doing amazing at it. That number two is no slight. Well, he is I mean, doing is amazing. It, is he really number two? He's probably doing as good as me. I mean, I, I'm sure there is a lot of people that check out the Metal Mike show. So I won't say I'm better or doing better than him. I think we're equal in awesomeness. 
Well, well you, I know well, we are quality-wise. Because let me tell you something. I listened to him last Friday, and he was blasting the new Thrasher Die, and he was playing so much cool shit. This was Friday night, the Friday night episode. Because he has two. He has another one on Tuesdays that's all thrash. Right. And uh, but the Friday night episode was slamming, man. I was having so much fun listening to him, him and his buddy, and uh, they were playing some great stuff, man. I highly recommend Metal Mike. I don't think I'm doing better. I think we're doing just as good. And even if I am doing better than him, it doesn't matter because his show is just as kick ass as mine. And that's oh yes, that's yes. awesome. Because you know me, I'm fucking badass, dude. Yes, I did not. I did not mean that as a slight. I meant that as, uh, you know, awesomeness. Because you were doing so good, he is also doing as good, and a lot of positive feedback. And he is directly. He gives us credit all the time that we inspire him. Yeah. Through our passion. Well, I take, did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did. Okay. All right. To take a chance and do what he loves. And, and that is the greatest compliment ever. And we are so proud of you, Mike. We will always promote very, your show. And- very proud of Mike. I also want to yes. add that Mike is a leader. When you hear him, you know the guy's a leader. He does not ride coattails. If he did that, then I would say, okay, you inspired him. Yeah, nothing wrong with riding coattails. Uh, just saying. Uh, also, check us out on the Indie Authority, where you can hear us Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. An awesome radio station, awesome site. There's all kinds of different shit on there. You can also check out The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Yeah. It's available on the Indie Authority, so check that out. And now we'll mention some other podcasts that are friends of ours that promote us and we promote them. Check out the Decibel Geek podcast. Oh, my God. Such good friends. Chris yeah, Sinzak. J- Jerry Sinzak. Chris Sinzak. Okay. Uh, Om Sinzak. (laughs) (laughs) Also, check out Mars Attacks with the great Victor Ruiz. Check out Podkist with the Podfather, Ken Mills. Hey, hey, I want to stop you right there. You know why? Why? Because we got a little promo for Podkist. Here it goes. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkist, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That was uh, the commercial. Hey, all you other podcasts are listening that we talk about, send us a commercial. We'll throw it in, man. And I also also want to say a brand new podcast is Ironcast, featuring our our buddies, um, uh, Mr. T. Mr. T from Germany, Luke Innes. Luke and Gary Barnes. Yeah, Greg Barnes, that Matahari motherfucker. As a matter of fact, I'm recording two episodes with them tomorrow. All right, cool. I'm doing something with them next week. So they figured, okay, let's leave the best for last. Let's have Ian on first. Yeah. Uh, I also want to plug Barbarian Rage. 
They want me on first because that way they'll still be on the air for the time for your episode. Piece of shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jealousy sucks. I know, it's a bitch. It's I a know. bitch. Poor Barbarian Rage is another incredible podcast. Hell yeah, Barbarian Rage. My boys in Barbarian Rage rule. And also, uh, I was going to say Ironcast. We got a fucking Ironcast. Brand yeah. new. Check them out. And check out when Ian's on the show, because Ian is better on other people's show than he is on his own show. It's amazing. I don't know how he does it, because he's awesome on this show, but he somehow becomes better on other people's show. Maybe it has a lot to do with, hey, look, I, I have no reason to be jealous today. <laughs> yeah. I'm not overshadowed by your scary talent. Thank you. Oh, that explains everything. <laughs> awesome. Well... Uh, again, I want to thank our special guest, Mr. Ohm Ingram, for showing up today. Thank you, Ohm. Yes, we really want to have you back. And if you think this episode was awesome, holy shit, did I line a good one up next week. Next week, our special guest, NBA legend Magic Johnson will be here. Oh. Yes, to talk about the debut from Joey Belladonna with Anthrax. Spreading the disease. Oh, I see what you did there. But you, you know, isn't it funny how this guy's had like HIV for 20 years and yet he's still alive? I guess he really does have a Magic Johnson. You're damn right. And you're going to find out all about it next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs>